0: Uh, today, if you will uh, join me, we will continue uh, in a teaching vein that the Lord had me focusing on in my last time uh, to minister here, and it was talking about our, uh, how that faith comes. And we've talked about a lot of the dynamics of faith, but I want to lay more of a foundational aspect of the heart of man and believing with the heart as we go forth today. So Romans chapter 10 would be a great place to start uh, to accomplish this assignment. And uh, we'll start uh, earlier in the chapter. I probably want to start at about verse 6. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 10. I'm thinking verse 8, but I said verse 6 is where I wanted to go. Verse 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in your heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ again from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is is made unto salvation. So again, we have discussed from this text the emphasis of the Word of God being in both locations, both in the mouth and in the heart, for faith to actively work. Not just in the heart, but also in the mouth. Not just in the mouth, but also in the heart. And we want to have the Word in an abundance because it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks, and so we've talked about some of the dynamics of faith and how that uh, faith, uh, if in in d- the development form, is uh, as we are saying scriptures or speaking a purpose of getting it into the heart. So, because until the word is released in the heart it doesn't have the ability to change forms and through the combustion become the strength of faith. In the same way that gasoline has to be in the engine for it to go through the process of combustion, the word on the page isn't producing the strength and the word in the head isn't producing the strength. You may have memorized a scripture, but that doesn't mean there's faith for that It has to be in the heart. So the mouth is a way to get the word in the heart and that's why I believe in verse 8 it says the word is in your mouth and in your heart because the writer of the psalm said that my tongue is like an ink pen and it's ready to write. My tongue is like a pen and in Proverbs it says my heart is like a tablet. So I can write upon the tablet of my heart with my tongue. I can use my words to memorize into the heart. Not memorize in the mind, but get it in my heart. So with the... Because faith comes by hearing. That's here in this chapter in Romans 10. And what precedes that declaration? He says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. What precedes it is a process of, first of all, they call upon the name of the Lord... That's the end result. That's the end result. They received the promise by calling upon the name of the Lord. But what had to take place before they got to the point to call? It says, how shall they call if if they haven't believed? So if you back up a step from the final result, you'll see that there has to be a believing before the calling is effective. There has to be a believing before the calling is activated so the believing precedes that receiving and then it says how shall they believe if they haven't heard so the hearing precedes the believing that precedes the calling so to follow the end result that we want to get to is the the receiving of the promise and that can be in any area it can be in your health it can be in uh in in your uh, receiving of financial blessings. But for there to be the receiving, there has to be the believing. And to be the believing, there has to be the hearing. And to be the hearing, there has to be someone speaking it. Someone proclaiming it. This word preacher is a proclaimer. And so it takes us all the way back to the parable of the sower. The sower sowed the word and these are they which heard. These are they which heard wayside soil these are they which heard stony ground these are they which heard thorny ground these are they which heard good ground all four grounds heard so the hearing had to take place and it wasn't the seed that failed in three of those grounds and it wasn't the proclaimer that failed it's that those those seeds that were sown into the ground did not stay in the ground the wayside soil never got into the ground Good enough, that's why it was wayside. This enemy came immediately and, and stole it. The seed in the stony ground didn't have root in itself. So when the heat came, when the persecution came, when the difficulty came, they, it withered, the, the seed that was sown withered. And so the person did not get the result of that seed sown. The person didn't get the result because the seed didn't remain. And so, but the seed had to be heard for it to get into the ground. The seed has to be proclaimed for it to be heard, to be believed, to be received. Amen? So when we see this, that's why he says in verse 17, so then, so then, why? Because he just went through that process. He just explained how can they hear except that how can they hear except someone proclaim it? How can they believe except someone hear it? And so he going through that process says, so then, that's why I'm telling you faith comes by hearing. That's why I'm telling you faith comes by hearing. But where the hearing, so faith isn't of the ear. And I've never said that before. I just want you all to know. Faith is not of the ear. It's not the ear that's producing the faith, but there is a hearing involved, so my ear needs to be employed in my faith project. Faith isn't of the ear, but I need my ear to hear. I need, it, I need the hearing. I need the hearing. And I'm talking about spiritual ears. Remember Jesus said, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, they were all hearing with the outside ear. He was talking about ears to hear in your heart. Do you have a heart to hear do you Does your spiritual ears are they tuned in? Are they listening and so with that hearing with that hearing there's a, a opening for the faith to come into the heart and but it has to get into the heart. there has to be and it has to get in the heart and stay in the heart and it has to stay in the heart until there's an abundance in the heart and so if, if, if what you're hearing throughout the day, if you could take it through a filter and you could, if you could scan everything before it went into your ear to find out how much faith is in what I'm about to hear and how much is going to destroy my faith, how much, how much faith negators are in the words that I'm about to hear, and we could just scan everything before it went into our ear I think that would be important. I think that would be uh, helpful if we just learned how to scan everything because uh, it matters what I listen to. It matters. it matters. It's going to affect my faith, and it's not going to necessarily affect it that moment that you hear it. That moment that you hear it, you may not recognize that your faith has been attacked by that thought, by that that statement. But it's after it's, it's been in the heart for a while. Remember, the gas has to get into the engine before it goes through combustion. And the word has to get in the heart before it goes through that exchange where it becomes faith or fear. If, if words that contain fear... So that's why he said faith comes by hearing God words that contains faith. Faith comes by, hear, by by scanning that Word before it goes in there. Yep, that's God's Word. I'll let that one in. Yep, that's Scripture. I'll let that in. Yep, that agrees with the Word. I'll let that in. Rrr, warning, warning, danger, danger. I'm not going to let that one in because that's not Word. And if I let that in, it's going to cancel faith instead of build it. Yeah. Amen. So the hearing is the entrance to the heart. Look, Mark 11, we, we're looking at with the heart man believes. Believing with the heart. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. Is that important? Why, When that says, listen to what, think about this. And I talked about this in my book, Redeemed and Righteous by Nature. When it says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness. Well, we don't produce our own righteousness Jesus was made sin for us so that we would be made the righteousness of God. But I have to believe for that making. I have to believe that Jesus became sin for me. I have to believe that He became sin. And in that believing, I am now put over into... I am now... um, In, because I believe I have a right to receive it, because I believe I am now I am now um, uh, cleared to receive it. If I don't believe it, then I I don't get that clearing. I don't get that opening. I don't get that. um, I don't. I, I don't. I don't move into that place where I can receive. If I don't believe, remember, to who who shall believe our report and to whom shall the arm of the Lord be revealed? That's connected. Those two questions are connected. The one who believes the report, that's the one who God is able to show his strength to, reveal his power to. If, If there's no believing, God's not righteous to do it. Remember why they could not enter into the promised land? Because of their unbelief. It was God's will. It was God's desire. He wanted it. He prepared it. He laid it out before them. He went before them and had already invoked fear and respect for them in the hearts of the people of that land because God was driving those people out of that land. It was God's plan. It was God's will. But they didn't get God's will and they didn't get God's plan because they did not believe him. Yeah. He, can't, he is a just God and it would be unjust. That's why Abraham had to go to the, the extreme, if you will. He had to go to the last moment to show, I believe that if i offer my son you'll raise him from the dead i'm doing it i am doing it i i believe god because god said out of this boy will come all of my seed god said out of isaac so isaac's coming off this mountain with me i'm going to offer him because god asked me to but he's not staying he's not staying here i'm not leaving him here i'm offering him and god's going to raise him up God's going to raise him up, and he believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So in that believing with the heart, we're in the position of receiving in the manifestation in our life. So Mark 11, let's look at Jesus teaching us about faith. And he says specifically the interaction of the heart. Verse 23, For verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. Family, it is possible because Jesus said you could. Jesus said you could say and not doubt. It is possible for you to eradicate doubt out of your heart. It is possible for you to train and educate your spirit so that you do not permit it to enter into the action of doubting. It says, doubt in this use is as a verb, not a noun. Not a noun of having doubt. It says, shall not doubt. That's an action. That's an action. Shall not doubt. My heart, I can train my heart not to enter into that action. Hallelujah. That's a good, just go ahead and say it. My heart shall not doubt. doubt. Hallelujah. (laughs) We can train ourselves to stay in faith. To what it looks like we can stay in faith no matter what it feels like we can stay in faith i and that's why the new testament emphasizes not being moved hold fast the confession of your faith hold fast hold fast to the end hold fast hallelujah why because there are things that want to make you doubt and things that want to make you move Off of your faith stand. And so he said that it is possible that you do not enter into that action of doubting in the heart. Now, there are times the thought may come to your head. A doubt thought can come to your head. We've got to become proficient enough as believers to recognize the difference between what's in my heart and what just came to my head. Because a lot of people have thrown in the towel because a thought came and they thought it was their thought. You know, there are some thoughts that come to your mind that you did not start them. They did not originate with you. They're not your thought. You don't have to own it. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to give permission for it to have activity in your life. That's not your thought. Especially, listen, if you don't give voice to it, you don't own it. Jesus said, take no thought by saying So saying is how I take it. That's why when I said, you cannot doubt in your heart, Pastor Larry took that. He said, my heart does not doubt. Well, he took that. He He took that saying. That was a good thing. Right? He took that saying by saying it. He made it his. Now he owns that. His heart shall not doubt. Well, so if a wrong thought is introduced to our mind... Eve had a thought given to her that did not originate with her. She'd never thought that way before. It did not originate. The enemy came to Eve and said, Did God say? And in the question, he invoked a thought it was hidden in that question. It was in his words. He put his doubt in words and transmitted it through words to her hearing. And in her hearing, instead of her casting it down and taking God's thoughts and saying, God said, I shall not eat the fruit of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in eating it and dying I would die. So I don't eat of that tree She could have just took God's thoughts and cast down the thoughts of the enemy, but instead she allowed the thoughts of the enemy activity in her mind. And with the thoughts of the enemy actively going through her mental processes, it changed the way she saw things. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, what, what made her? It wasn't. It was not good for food. What made her see it? Wrong thoughts. Wrong thoughts. There are things people see that are not in God's plan, not in God's purpose. The, the Israelites came back and said, we be, we be like grasshoppers in our own sight. Who told you that? God didn't say that. God said you're more than able. God said I have given you the land. God said this is the land that flows with milk and honey. What are you doing talking about giants? They are nothing to God. They're not giant and compared to God. But they were accepting thoughts that were positioned in their lives higher than the thought of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says, The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the casting down imaginations and every high thing that tries to exalt or that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's what happened in the interaction between Eve and Satan. He brought thoughts and they were positioned higher than God's thoughts in Eve's mind and because of that, she behaved in line with the thought that had the ascendancy, the thought that had the place of of prominence in her life. We're talking about believing with the heart. We're talking about, about the doubt not being in the heart, and for you to recognize if it comes to my mind doesn't necessarily mean it's mine it's Brother Caps was praying one day, and he was telling the Lord you know his problem and and he was saying uh, uh, lord uh, um, the devil keeps saying to me, and Lord, the devil keeps saying to me, and he said, i thought." My scripture said that when you resist the devil, he would flee. And he said, well, it does. He said, well, did you resist him? And he said, yeah. And he said, maybe that's your carnal mind. Maybe it's not the devil. Maybe it's the carnal mind. (laughs) Selah. Pause and think on that. And so... If, we've, if, if the thought is there, I've got to, what do the weapons do? Pull down, cast down, take captive. That's what our weapons do. Pull down, cast down, take captive. And it's all dealing with thoughts, imaginations, strongholds in the mind, strongholds of thinking, strongholds. They can be pulled down, cast down, taken captive. So if a thought comes, I don't want the wrong thought to get in my heart, so I have to govern my mind by the word, and I have to have that scripture ready. I tell you what, you this is what you need to have. Quick draw, quick draw, quick draw. What does the scripture say? What saith the scripture? What sayeth the scripture? That's what the apostle Paul did. He was always quick on the draw. What saith the scripture? I'm gonna deal with that thought. Is that, does that thought line up with the Word of God? Then it's an outlaw thought. If it does not, if it goes contrary, it, there is no meaningless thoughts. If they come, you say, "Oh, well, I don't want to allow any carnal thinking because Romans eight tells me that it puts me in a position where I, 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 I of. Death and destruction. Yeah. Yeah. The mind that follows the Spirit is life and peace. The mind that follows the flesh is destruction. Yeah. I, I, so that's not okay to let my mind think outside of the Word. Amen. Amen. It's not okay. It's going, uh, there will eventually be a price to pay for it. There will eventually be a hardship attached to it. Because those thoughts, but the thought in the head versus the thought in the heart. He said, doubt not in your heart. Doubt not in your heart. So we have to be able to recognize what is just coming against my mind versus what is actually resident in my heart or actively working in my heart. I don't want to have doubt actively working in my heart. If it comes against my mind, I need to respond to it. Jesus never let any attack of the enemy, any thought of the enemy go unanswered. Yeah. He answered everything the enemy said to him. He answered it with the Scripture. He, quick oh, what Say it, the Scripture. The Scripture says, it is written, it is written. And so the the... Uh, the thought coming against my mind, if I will be quick to answer it, it never gains any further entrance. And so if I have come to the place in my development that I have renewed my mind, and that is continual, I am renewing my mind continually, and so I have it in a place of renewed condition And then I continue. It's a lot easier to maintain the renewed condition if you just go ahead and get it renewed in line with the Word and then just just maintain it. Keep it at maintenance level. Keeping the mind washed with the Word of God. And then it says this doubting not in the heart. So I begin to recognize where the, the activity of my heart. Is my heart in forward motion with faith? Or is it... In backward motion with doubt. And so it says, but shall believe. So not doubting in the heart, but believing in the heart. Not doubting in the heart, but believing in the heart. Not doubting, but believing. Well, there are symptoms. There are symptoms that will help us. Do you remember we did a a series uh, a couple of years back from the book of Romans, chapter 15, and it says, there's joy and peace in believing. We spent a long time on that, didn't we? Joy and peace in the believing. Those are indicators of whether or not I'm in faith. If I'm believing, there will be a companion of joy. So if I am sad or worried, that's an indicator that I'm doubting in the heart. And I love the poem that the Holy Spirit gave to Keith Moore. Doubt, despairs, complains, and is sad. Faith, uh, believes, rejoices, and is glad. Doubt, complains, despairs, and is sad. Those are indicators. It goes right along with the Scripture there from Romans chapter 15 that says... Joy and peace in believing. The God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Joy and peace are fruit of the Spirit, and faith is a fruit of the Spirit, a force of the reborn human spirit of man. And so these are companion forces to faith. If there's no peace, if you're always upset and worried about it, Guess what activity is not moving forward in the heart? Faith isn't working. And you can be, you can think, you can, you can say, I'm believing, I'm believing. But if you are showing symptoms of despair, I think Job thought he was doing something spiritual. I think Job thought he was doing something spiritual when he went continually and sacrificed, saying continually in his heart, it might be that my children have cursed God. What was in his his heart in abundance was there in his mouth. Now we know what's in his heart. My children have cursed God. My children have cursed God. He, He tried to do something that looked spiritual, but the essence of it was fear. The essence of it was not scriptural basis. It would have not been appropriate for him to have given all of those burnt offerings. It was not something that God had called for. He was doing it out of fear. It looked spiritual, but it lacked the right spiritual container or the right spiritual ingredients. So when we're looking at, we can do things that look spiritual, but if it's not coming out of a heart that is, that is showing signs of confidence, peace, and joy, then I need to be honest enough with myself to say, wait a minute, I think I'm off. I think I'm missing it because I've lost my joy and I'm upset and worried about this. So there's fear or worry, unrest. Isn't that what Job said? He said, I had no rest. I had no rest. He had no peace. He had no joy, right? And so if, if I don't have joy and peace, then I need to go back and feed on the Word. Because it's, it's not about me trying to make something happen. It's about me receiving what God has already made mine. Amen. We are not trying to make God do anything. He's already done it all. He's already provided for us. He's already provided covenant, pr- privileges. It says all things that pertain unto life and godliness, they're ours in the promises. And our heart is required to receive it. It must be received in the heart, believed and received in the heart. And so we've got to identify what is believing. Am I believing or am I hoping? Hope is not a receiver. Hope doesn't receive. But a lot of people are thinking they're in faith and just looking for those two symptoms would help them identify if they were or not. You know, Brother Keith Moore, he says, I ask my wife often, what are we excited about? He said that for years. I've listened to, to his ministry and he said that. What am I excited? Because that excitement is an indicator of what I'm in faith about. So if I'm in faith about it, I'm excited about it. I'm expectant. I'm, I, th- I have a, an, a, a, a joyful, confident, see those are joy, faith, confidence. I have that joyful expectation. I have that confident expectation and I've got peace and patience while the going on is coming on. So he said that it's possible for us not to doubt in the heart, but believe. But believe. And so, as we look at this, let's talk about the heart of man. And uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 identifies the tripart being of man. We're made in God's image. And we see here in. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in order that the Holy Spirit placed it, spirit, soul, soul, and body. The Holy Spirit being the author of the Scripture, He has positioned this list in a divine order. Spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. This is the order of importance. Our spiritual condition, our spiritual... Uh, uh, Ascendancy, our spirit being in the driver's seat. Yes, amen. Not the body driving us. Not the soul. The soul consists of the mind, the will, and the emotions. I do not want my emotions driving me. I have lived a time of my life where emotions directed my decisions, directed whether I got dressed or stayed in my pajamas all day. You know those people who are in their pajamas at Walmart? Not (laughs) spirit-driven. They are saying, this is what you get today. Spirit in the driver's seat. Listen. Your spirit will never say, "I don't feel like praying." Amen. Your spirit will never say, "I don't feel like rejoicing." God. If if those if those things come up, and and you hear a no vote in your heart, in your in your being, it's not your spirit casting the no vote. Right. It's not your spirit saying, "Snooze button, I don't want to pray right now. I want to hit the snooze." That's not your spirit. <laughs> Your spirit always wants to pray. Your spirit is always on to pray, always willing to pray, always open to prayer. Your spirit is always open to rejoicing. It's not the spirit that says, I don't want to lift my hands. It's not your spirit saying that. Your spirit is not going to say, I don't want to glorify God and lift my hands in public. That's not the spirit of man saying that because our spirit always wants to lift holy hands to Him. If there's an opportunity to honor, put me in that line. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number. I want to be in that number. Oh, yeah, yeah, I want to be in that number. And put me in that group. Hallelujah. When I, when I, when I was, uh, I, I had gotten uh, born again and I was, Uh, believing God for a husband. And I had done such a terrible job choosing in my first marriage that I decided I wanted to let the Word of God help me build a parameter of what I wanted in in this marriage because I wanted it to work. I thought, I don't want to mess this up. And I, I want what God wants for me. So I went through the Scriptures and I started finding parameters. And so I made a list. And one of the things on my list... One of the things was that he would love my children like his own, that that we would not have stepchildren in our family because my first husband had died and I had two children already and they were young and and they were going to need the right role model and I didn't want it to be a stepfather relationship where I was always in the middle between my husband and my children. And so I believed God that he would love my children like his own and he has. And they love him as if he's their father. They don't have any... There's no stepfather in their understanding of him. And then the second thing that I... One of the other things, I don't know it was in that order, but one of the other important highlights for me is that he would praise God more than me. That he would be stronger in the Word than me and praise God more than me. I won't say louder, but I was the loudest person in the church. Can you all imagine? I figured I had always been the loudest person in the bar I mean if I was in the bar they knew I was in the bar they found me on top of the table behaving uh, uh, erratically so why would I come to church and be timid right and so for somebody to be able to out shout me they had to know how to shout they had to know how to praise the Lord But I went to the Word to find those. I wanted Word characteristics. I wanted Him to be strong in the Word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because I did not want a man who was body-driven. I did not want a man who was soul-driven. I wanted a man who was spirit-led. His born-again spirit was in the driver's seat his spirit and of course of uh, the holy spirit lives in our spirit but if a person's emotions are in the driver's seat even though the holy spirit lives in their spirit they cannot be responding to him if their emotions are driving right. you know maybe you've heard somebody come and say well you know that that preacher he that 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 preacher he he left his wife and ran off with the secretary and stole the church money. And you know, he was spirit-led. He wasn't that day. And a few days leading up to it, there was some body-driven choices being made there. But every one of us can look at times in our life that we have allowed things out of our mouth or we have acted and behaved in ways and it wasn't our born again spirit driving that action or guiding us into those words it may have been the emotions it may have been the body it may have been the 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 mind that needed to be renewed so we've all done it but we don't have to do it on a regular basis and we can come to the place in our development where the Spirit, the born-again Spirit, I'm educating my Spirit in the Word and I'm learning to follow the Holy Spirit so that my Spirit is a safe driver. Amen. So that my Spirit is a safe driver. And that's what we're, we're aiming for. Our born-again Spirit must be educated and developed. The born-again Spirit must be educated and developed. Think about, I'm going to just, we're not going to go to them today. We'll teach. pick this up again in the future. But just think about these these two New Testament emphasis from Ephesians 4 where he is talking about how he gave apostles and pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers to the church for the perfecting, that developing. So just because we're born again doesn't mean we're developed. Just because we're born again doesn't mean our spirit's been educated in the Word. That's why we've got to desire the sincere milk of the Word so that you may grow, grow thereby. thereby. So the Word is necessary for my spirit to develop, to grow. Paul said, I was a child. When I was a child, what did I do? I thought like a child, I spoke like a child. But I'm not a child anymore. He was talking about spiritual things. He was talking about growing and maturing in spiritual things. I've developed my heart so that my mind isn't controlling, my my body isn't controlling, my spirit is following the Lord. My spirit. And then another example is uh, the instruction in Hebrews chapter five where he said, I should be, you should be teaching, but I need to go back and give you milk. Because even though you have been under the word long enough that you should be teaching the word, instead, I have to take you back to the elementary things and teach you over some things again. Not you, that's what he said to that church. That's what he was saying to that church. And he said that they were babes. And then it says that a person who has reached full age is a person who by practicing the word has learned to discern between good and evil. By being a doer of the word, I've learned how to recognize the difference between what's good in the eyes of God and what's evil. So it takes practice then, doesn't it? It takes an education. Hallelujah. And it doesn't happen overnight. I remember when I first got saved, one of the things that I prayed was, Lord, help me grow up. <laughs> I was such a baby in the things of God, and I knew I was a baby. I could feel it when my, my whole fl- face would flare up red, and I would want to revert back to the way that I would deal with my anger before. <laughs> Lord, help me grow up. Lord help me grow up. I prayed that a lot. Lord help me grow up. And he's go to work. Go to the word. Go to the word. Go to church. That's what the church is for. Remember that in the local church, for the perfecting of the saints. The perfecting of the saints, the developing of the saints, the maturing of the saints. We've got to come so that we can grow. Yep. Amen. We've got to connect so that we can grow. Amen. And in that growth, we'll see the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We'll continue in another time. Have you received today? Would you stand with me today to your feet as we prepare to dismiss?